We are so blessed to be able to pray, so blessed to be able to praise the name of the Lord, to sing worship, to open up His Word this morning. Today, we're going to be looking at a passage found in the Gospels, in the, in the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 15 to 20. And Mark covered, Pastor Mark last week covered 1 to 20, but I'm going to camp out at 15 to 20 this week with a sermon titled, Why Don't You Come and See? We're going to begin with some scripture today. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you open to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. I'll be starting at verse 15 and reading all the way to 20. Let's begin. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see, and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard heard it was amazed at, at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things in her heart and pondered them. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they have heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the reading of God's word. May he, add a, may he add a blessing to it today. Well, silence. Silence can be hard, especially when it comes from those we love and admire. You see, when we are in trouble, when we are searching, when we are seeking, when we are feeling hopeless, one word from someone we care deeply for can change the narrative, it can bring hope, it, it can rally the heart to fight, but sometimes the word doesn't come. Sometimes we need to wait. We need to wait for the silence to break. For over 400 years, the people of God waited. They looked to the heavens, seeking and searching and waiting for the silence to be broken, waiting for the promise of Messiah to be fulfilled, Generations of fathers would gather their little ones around the fire, sharing the stories and passing down the oral testimonies of the prophets that one day, one day, Messiah would come. The great light for the people walking in darkness. These people were waiting, they were listening, they were looking for this great light to expose the path of righteousness. Before the silence was broken, God's people, they had to hold on to these promises that were given, especially a, a very important promise, the one that said, for unto us a child will be born, a son will be given, and the government would be on his shoulders. Mama's reminding little daughters that, that the one that would come would be a wonderful counselor. Fathers would share with their sons, though we wait, we wait with faith. For that one day, the one that will come, he will reign and he will reign on David's throne. Elders would tell students or young men that one day there would be an increase of peace. This increase of peace would be coming and of that peace, there would be no end. See, the people had to hold on to these promises. They had to wait, gripping on with faith. And after 400 years of silence, if you look at your Old Testament and you look at your New Testament, and most Bibles will have a blank page between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and that blank page represents 400 years. So after 400 years of, of silence, 
the announcements come. That God was about to fulfill the promises, promises found in Genesis and, and promises given to Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah and, and, and promises found in the Psalms. Even the pro-evangelium prophecy that Pastor Kelvin talked about a few weeks ago in Genesis 3.15, this was about to happen. It's coming now. The people waited. But now the time has arrived. See, the child was about to be born. God wrapped in flesh, Emmanuel, which means God with us. So after the silence, the announcements. Announcement one, Gabriel comes, he's an angel, and he speaks to a, a priest named Zechariah, and they say, and he says, Zechariah, you will have a son. Reference Luke 13, 17. He says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. Verse 17, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That was announcement one. Announcement number two, Gabrielle again, the angel speaks to Mary. She's told that she will bear a son. She will give birth. You can see that reference in Luke 1, and 30. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus. Give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. Announcement number three. An angel of the Lord this time speaks to shepherds living out in their fields nearby. What are they doing? They're keeping watch over their sheep. For the third time, a caution comes, do not be afraid. And then the announcement, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior will be born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. God breaks the silence with promises kept. Today, we're going to spend a majority of our time looking at the, third implica the implication of the third announcement, this announcement to the shepherds. But before we take a closer look, I want to just spend a few moments and dig a little deeper into this announcement that sent these shepherds running. Let's look at that third announcement together. The angel gives the highest theology. Well, there is this statement within this announcement that is of great importance for us as the church. For us as God's people called out of darkness and marvelous light, we get this announcement, but there is this phrasing within this announcement that we have to look at. It says, good news of great joy will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Let's look at that. So what are we talking about here when we look at this? I have some questions. If you have a fill in, fill in the blank sheet, if, it's, if you downloaded it or online or if you're visiting us this week, you can pick that up and you can fill it in. But I put some questions on there. My first question is, when we're looking at God's word is, let's expose it, let's ask some questions. What is given? Well, when we look at the text, it says that good news. But what is this good news actually about? Well, it's actually talking about salvation. Through a baby, through this baby that is being born, it is a hope promised, it is a promise fulfilled. How is it given? How will this happen? Well, he will be born of a virgin, a miraculous conception. It will be a humble birth. Where is it given? Where will this take place? Well, actually, the town of David 
Actually, in Bethlehem, Micah 5.2, Pastor Rick taught us that a few weeks ago. To who will this be given to? To who will salvation be given to? Well, not just Israel anymore, but for the nations, for all the people. And even more specific, when we look at the actual text, it says, to you, a personal salvation. From who will give this salvation? Where will it come from? It will come from a Savior who is Messiah, who is Lord. You see, this is a very important, this is a very important announcement. And this announcement highlights disciplines and specific theology. See, for us who know systematic theology, who have the full counsel of God's word, who, who are able to look back at the Old Testament and the New Testament, we understand that there's certain flows and certain themes that happen. And there's some high-level theology taking place in these announcements. In the first announcement, we see that Zechariah was praying. Well, Zechariah was a priest. Well, for us who are gathering each week, it's not uncommon for us to know that priests or pastors would be praying. So he's praying, and we, we see that God hears his prayer. And we know that God bends his ear down and he listens. And I don't want to minimize this announce, uh, the announcement, but we do believe in prayer. We have not because you ask not. We find that in James 4.2. So prayer is a, is a powerful discipline where we can reach out to God, and God answers our, our prayers. He says yes, he says no, and he says wait. So we see with this first announcement, Zechariah is praying, and God answers his prayer. We move on to the second announcement, and we see that Mary has found favor with the Lord. We also know, based on our systematic theology of Romans 9.15, that God will have mercy on whoever God would like to have mercy on, and he will also have favor on whoever he would like to have favor on. The, God, the Lord has that right. So in this case, in this announcement, Mary has found favor with the Lord, and the Lord can do whatever he wants, and he has chosen her. But what about the shepherds? That's my question for us today. What about these shepherds? What are they doing in this text? Not much. If you look at verse 8, they're just doing their job. There is no prayer. There's no favor. There's no discipline. And yet, they're included. See, the first two announcements are very rich, but we do not see the glory of this passage until we learn what the shepherds learn. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I have a question. As you're studying the text, you should ask questions. Why would you give this information to the shepherds? You see, the shepherds were not the ideal people to give information to. They were actually despised in the community by most. They were considered unreliable. Most of the time, they were hired to take the sheep from one pasture to another, to graze them, to protect them from oncoming enemies or predators. But oftentimes, you would find that a shepherd would not put his life on the line for the sheep. If something came up, he would run away, often running away from danger and not protecting the sheep. They could not give testimony in a court of law. Can you believe that? That if they witnessed a crime, a murder, a robbery, and were called in to give testimony, their testimony would not count. They had a bad reputation, and the nature of their work meant that they could not observe Israel's ceremonial laws. So what do we have here? We have an unclean people who were unreliable with a testimony not worth anything, and an angel shows up and gives them this announcement. Good news of great joy will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior will be born to you. He is Christ the Lord. A Savior who has been born to you, he is Christ, he is the Lord. 
that last statement is powerful for us as we gather today. If you haven't highlighted this in your Bible, you need to highlight that. See, this is the only time, and I looked, this is the only time in the Gospels that that phrase is actually used altogether. It is the only time that we see all the titles of Jesus brought together at the same time. Savior, Messiah, Lord. What is truly remarkable about this announcement is that that little baby will grow up. Jesus will save the people from their sins. Jesus is the Christ. He is the promised Messiah. He is, most of all, Lord. See, this last announcement was not just good news. It was really good news. It was good news to the shepherds, and it's good news for us today. But really, it wasn't just good news. It was a revelation of Jesus' true identity, Messiah, Christ, Lord. This high theology is given to a lowly people because before there can be glory, there needs to be humility. For that is the way the kingdom of God operates. The last will be first and the first will be last. And God chose these ones and gave them this announcement for us here today. These despised men are the first to receive the announcement of the gospel. These men are the first to learn of the great joy that will be for all the people that actually that joy would be for them. That joy is actually for us. So the shepherds teach us a powerful thing. The shepherds teach us that powerful news demands proper action. Powerful news demands proper action. And I believe that the shepherds teach us a proper reaction to hearing the gospel. And I wanna look at four action steps today taken by the shepherds that I believe that we can implement into our lives today. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we come under you today. We ask that you would open up our hearts and minds and in this new year, this first Sunday of, the, of this 2021 year, God, that you would help us to know and understand how to, how to receive news, how to receive good news and apply it to our lives, how to walk in righteousness. For we believe that the great light has exposed the path of righteousness and you are inviting us to take steps on that road so that we would grow in the likeness of your son. So God, we pray and we submit this to you in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, amen. So four action steps this morning taken by the shepherds. Step number one, they went. Verse 15, it says, when the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. See, after hearing the news, the shepherds acted upon that news. See, the shepherds considered the truth that they heard, and what did they do? They responded to the truth. See, I believe that this is a proper display of action taken towards truth shared. A proper display of action towards truth shared. Real news needs to be considered. You have to ask questions about it. What if this is true? What are the implications of this if we don't consider this truth and respond? What are, we, what are the ramifications if we don't act? Just imagine this same scenario acting, being acted out or uh, the same story with today's excuses. The angel leaves and the shepherds respond with, okay, what should we do with this news? One shepherd speaks up and says, well, I think, this is what I think, I think there's more to this, this story. That was, a great, that was a great beginning and there was a great encore choir, but I think we should do nothing. I think we should just wait and let's just see if the angels come back. Another shepherd 
jumps in and says, did he say town of Bethlehem? Town of David, Bethlehem, you know, Bethlehem. I'm not walking all the way over there. You know how far that is? There's a census happening. Nope, I'm not doing it. Can't he just do something else and just like bring, the, can he bring the baby to us? Third shepherd says, well, I've been up all night. I've been, more, it's been a hard week. You don't know how, how bad these sheep are. Like that I have this one sheep, like I'm always running after it. I'm so tired, I'm gonna go home. That's not what happened though. For these shepherds, this type of information, it warranted investigation. See, appropriate action needs to be taken when high levels, high level of high level theology is presented. See, the, the shepherds that day, they didn't give any excuses. They said, let's go. So what do we learn from the shepherds? Well, I would say something worth noting for us here as, as we gather as God's church, especially Calvary, that sheep who hear the truth declared every week from this pulpit need to consider what is being said and respond to it. In 2021, we as God's people who are given the truth need to consider what is being said and then act in accordance to that direction. See, the angel never ever told the shepherd in the passage to go. They said he would be born. There was no imperative given, but I would suggest that there was an imperative implied. In the weeks to come, in 2021, as it unfolds, the scriptures will give us, God's people, direct imperatives. And if you're wondering what is an imperative, it is a command. The Bible will command us to act in accordance to the truth. We will have direct commands, imperatives from God's word as it's preached faithfully. The question is, how will we respond? How will we respond as God's people who receive these commands? You see, they're not optional, and often we get ourselves into trouble because we look at God's word as an optional thing. See, the shepherds set the first step for us. They went. So that's the first step. They went. But what's the first action step for us as God's people? Well, the first action step for us is that we need to consider that truth and then act in accordance to that truth. So that's the first thing. They went. Second step that happens is they saw, verse 16. It says, so they hurried off and they found Mary and they found Joseph and the baby who is lying in a manger. Verse 16 teaches us, that, teaches us a lesson that they made the trip to see Jesus. They actually got there. They saw him. They saw him with their own eyes. See, remember that the shepherds are in this nearby field. They're outside the city. They need to go through the city to get to the awaiting sign of the baby lying in a manger. That city at that time would have had so many opportunities for self-indulgence and mission missteps. There was a census happening, so that meant that there were extra people, people of influence, people of all kinds of status. There would have been temptations to stop, to look, to see and to taste and to indulge and possibly miss out on the sign that they were looking for. The shepherds teach us that we need to stay on course and we need to stay focused in the 2021 season. Church, how often do we take our eyes off Jesus and then put them on things that steal, kill, and destroy? How often do we do that? Just look at 2020. How often did we take our eyes off Jesus and put them on things that left us hurting, that hindered us, that, that would steal our joy, that defeated us? 
How often do we raise one hand in worship while gripping onto the sin we love with the other? How often do we fail to see the truth worked out in our lives? We as, as people called out of darkness, we're still easily distracted by things that bring us comfort and ease. Our systematic theology tells us, teaches us that we have a bent towards things that would gratify the flesh. And often we will get, a, get ourselves into patterns that leave us on the side of the broad road looking for solutions outside of Christ. This next season, I want to challenge you, but I also want to warn you that you're going to be tempted to take a pit stop with your faith and self-indulge. It's coming. Just do you, bro. Just do you. How often do I hear that with the guys? It's all about you, man. It's all about what you want to do right now. Or sister, you deserve this. You deserve that break. I want to say yes. Women, you deserve that break. You work very hard. You deserve a break. And the Lord, in his guidance and his great sovereignty, he actually wrote a break into our week. He says, please rest, rest in me, take Sabbath. Yes, it's okay to rest. Or how about this one in the culture? Just do what makes you happy. Just do what makes you happy. See, this is what's happening when we are just doing you, bro, or just taking a break, or just doing things that make us happy. Our pit stops, they're destroying our growth in Christ. They're actually hindering our marriages. And we are allowing culture to sweep away our families. You know, if, if you're a husband and a father, I just want to say, hey, I love you and I'm with you on this. And I know that, that being a dad and being a husband in today's culture is really hard. And I want you to know that you will always have a brother here. You'll always have a brother here that will be with you and, and get in the grind with you with no judgment. We will walk beside you. We'll call you on the truth as you call us on the truth. We'll do life together. But if you're a father or a husband, a father and a husband, and you're listening to this sermon, hear me on this. If you have had an overextended break in your leadership and things just feel like there is no hope for a beautiful outcome, you feel like hope has been lost in your marriage or things have, are, are hard in your parenting, do this. Turn to your spouse and take her by the hand and look her straight in the eye and say, I have been idle too long. Will you forgive me? I need your forgiveness and I need you to join me on this new journey because we need to go see Jesus. Turn to your spouse, look her in the eye and say, will you forgive me for being idle too long? I need you to come with me. This year needs to be about us as a team going to see Jesus. Wife, you take your husband's hand, you look him in the eye and you say, yes, I will forgive you. And I want you to lead us to Jesus, lead our family to the cross. Let's do this together. And will this, will this fix every issue in your marriage, in your parenting? Yes and no. Yes, because Jesus is the answer to our issues, to our problems, to the things that are happening. Jesus is the answer. But it's not automatic. It takes work it takes time. It takes maybe some awkward conversations. 
but have those, have those conversations. So yes, it will help, and also no. No, because this doesn't get us off the hook. It doesn't get you off the hook for past hurts, for pain and abuse. There may be a lot of steps that you need to take, but hear, hear me on this. This is the first step. This is the first step to healing. And I know many families watching today, we're all in need of some type of healing. And Jesus is the answer. A couple weeks ago, I had a rough day and I went home and sometimes I just go to bed. So I had a rough morning, rough afternoon, rough evening, got home, I just kissed the kids, went right to bed. Just thinking about God, thinking about God's people. And uh, I remember having a, I, have a, I had a moment, just, just a dream. Um, and I remember waking up from this dream, just remembering what I saw. And I saw, what I saw was, I was sitting on the, the edge of my bed, and there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a desk by my bed, and I saw a cup, this cup sitting on the desk. And I remember looking at this cup, and it was filled. And I knew right away, uh, somehow in my subconsciousness, I just knew that that cup was a cup of grace. And when I got up, I kept thinking about this cup of grace that is available for us each and every day. Every day we get up, we put our feet on the ground, there's a cup of grace sitting there. And that cup is free for us to drink from each and every day. God says that his mercy is new for us each and every day. God's grace is available to us each and every day. And I was thinking about this cup of grace that God supplies to us. And some days we'd have a big drink of God's grace and some, if, some days we'd have less. And the goal would be to drink less and less of that grace as we grow in the likeness of Jesus Christ. So I started thinking about that and I also started, to thinking, about, th started thinking about if God's grace is available to us every single day, there is no excuse for us not to grow in the likeness of Jesus. There is no excuse that we can give back to Jesus that says, hey, I just have to do me for a season because he is offering grace and forgiveness. And if you remember what grace is, grace is undeserved favor or merit. So God has created a way through Jesus for us to come and talk to him about the things that we fall short in. So if your parenting or your marriage or just your personal walk with Jesus is falling short, there's a cup of grace for you today. Isn't that great news? See, step two teaches us that, that the, the shepherds didn't get distracted. They actually made it to the sign promised. They didn't settle for, just make you happy, just do whatever makes you happy. They saw, <laughs> they saw with their own eyes, I envy them, Jesus. They saw everlasting joy. So step two is they saw. The action step for us is we need to stay focused this year. We need to stay focused on our journey to see Jesus in 2021. We need to stop settling just for what makes us happy because we are truly missing out on everlasting joy found in the great joy giver given to all people. Calvary given to us. We can't settle. This year, we are on a journey to go after whatever God wants us to go after. 
Whatever imperative that he gives us, we say yes to. So they went, they saw. Step three, they testified. Verse 17 and 18 says this. And when they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who had heard were amazed at the shep- what the shepherds had said to them. So after considering what they heard, after making the journey and seeing for themselves the truth that was told to them, the shepherds testified. Have you ever noticed that the one thing that connects every human is our sin? Every human has a sin issue. Every human has a bent towards self-righteousness, self-preservation, and self-indulgence. Of every human, a payment will be demanded for the sins that they have committed. Every human will need to pay. So the question for us is, how will you pay for your sin? Your personal trespasses against an all-holy God will come into account. I want you to think about that for a moment. How are you going to pay? See, the shepherds left the manger and they went back to the city and they testified of the truth. They testified that today in the town of David, a savior had been born, the Christ, the Lord, the Messiah. They went back through the streets, back to the people on their pit stops with a new hope, with a hope, with a zeal, with an everlasting joy. A real true testimony of Titus 2.11. If you don't know Titus 2.11, you need to get to Titus 2.11 right now. This is an underline, star it, you should crochet this on a pillow. That's how good this is. Titus 2.11 is this. It says, for the grace, remember grace, undeserved favor or merit, for the grace of God has appeared. The grace of God is here and it's appeared and it does something. It says that it offers salvation. It offers salvation to all the people, but it just doesn't stop there. It actually says it teaches us to say no. So this salvation that has appeared by grace actually does something for God's people. It says it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives. When? 2022? 2025? Look at the text. It says in this present age today. This is what the salvation that has appeared by grace can do. It teaches us to say no. While we wait for the blessed hope, the second return of Christ, the appearing of the glory of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What did this Jesus do for us? It says in verse 14, he gave himself up for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good eager to do what is good for the Lord. How are you going to pay for your sin? Church, I pray that you would testify with me today that it is by the blood of Jesus Christ only that we can be saved. He came to save sinners, save you and me, and this is the great hope for us. This is the hope for 2021. It's the only hope for this year. There is one way to go. It is an open door for the human soul. You can come to Jesus today. Because Jesus is the way, he is the truth, he is the Messiah, he is the Lord, and he is the Christ. And that's what the shepherds testified about. That was their third step. They heard this, they saw this, they went and spoke about this. So the third step is the shepherds testified, what is our action step? 
Well, our action step based on their testimony is, is three, three sub-points, I would say. I, say. I would say the first one is we, it needs to be believe. Do you actually believe the testimony of the shepherds? That Jesus is the way, that he is the Lord, that he is the Christ, the Messiah. If not, why not? What is in the way what is sitting there? What unanswered question do you have that is holding you back from actually seeking the Lord? If you have a question, guest at calvary.on.ca. Send us, we'll do our very best to walk with you to help answer you that question. But you need to come to know this truth. What is in the way? Do you believe? That's the first thing. The second thing is, if you do believe, if you have a true, if you have, a, if you have received salvation from Jesus and you believe in him, you need to testify to this truth. We follow the example of the shepherds. And what did they do? They testified. They told people of the love that they had. And this, testif- this testimony that we are to give, this is not just for pastors. This is not for evangelists or teachers. This is for every person who has received salvation. We testify to the things that we know, that the things that we have heard, to the things that we have seen. The word of God actually says when you stand before leaders or, or people in high authority, just open your mouth and I'll put the words in. He gives us no excuse. We are to testify. Isn't it funny though? This is funny. I love that the shepherds could not give testimony. <laughs> they could even give testimony in the court of law. But the scriptures revealed that they shared and they testified and what was happening? The people were amazed at their testimony. But being amazed does not equate to being saved. For there is a high probability that the same people who were amazed, probably themselves or they had kids that grew up 33 and a half years later that yelled crucify him. So it's not just about a testimony, that's a start, but it's truly about discipleship. So the third sub point in our action step is we need to live the testimony. Disciple others in the truth. So believe the testimony, share the testimony, and live the testimony. That's what we're called to do. So they went, they saw, and they testified. The last thing they did is they worshiped. Verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they have heard and seen, which, they have, which were just as they've been told. See, they did nothing to qualify for them, to qualify them to be the ones to receive this announcement. It was by God's grace. But they were shepherds, these, they were just shepherds on a hillside outside the city doing their job. And God brought the announcement that would change their lives. They brought an announcement that would change our lives. They considered the information. They made an action plan. They saw for themselves. They brought testimony. And that brings us to this last step. They worshiped. The shepherds, the scripture actually reveals that they returned. Return to what? They actually went back to being shepherds. Still despised, still could not bring testimony, still could not follow the ceremonial laws, still considered unreliable. See, not too much had changed for these, these shepherds. Not too much had changed for them socially or economically or politically, but the soul. See, news believed of the Savior changes the soul. News believed of the Savior changes the soul. You see, when we give proper attention to soul care, our hearts will beat with confidence that the Lord will fulfill his promises. Are you having heart issues? 
like doubt. Soul care is what you need. When we give proper attention to soul care, our minds can rest in the hope of the redeemed. Are you anxious? Are you fearful? Soul care. Soul care is what you need. When you give proper attention to soul care, what will happen is your love will change. Do you have a tendency to hurt the ones you love? Soul care is what you need. Because proper soul care leads to authentic worship. Proper soul care leads to authentic worship. And authentic worship, you know what that's going to do for you? It's going to lead to everlasting joy. And everlasting joy, oh, you know what that does? That leads you to abundant life. And abundant life is only found in Jesus, who takes care of the soul. You see, silence can be hard especially when it comes from those we love and admire. When we are in trouble, when we are searching, when we are seeking, when we are feeling hopeless, that one word from someone we care deeply for can change the narrative. It can bring hope. It can rally the heart to fight. But sometimes, here it is, we don't believe that word has come. Sometimes we will choose silence not silence as a break, to be refreshed, to focus on God, to grow, but we ourselves become silent. We become silent towards God. We become silent towards prayer. We become silent towards our giftings and our disciplines and our DC groups and the people that God has called us to do life with. We become silent. And what happens when we become silent? We break. The people of God back then, they waited. They waited for the silence to be broken. Those people, they waited for the promises to be fulfilled. They waited for hope to be revealed. They waited for that first Christmas to happen. But church, people of God today, we have something to sing about for we will never experience silence again. See, the, the Lord is ruling and reigning and available to us right now. The Lord speaks to us through his word. That means that there is a promise now that God would never, ever again be silent. God will never be silent towards us. Any day, every day, we can open up his word and he will speak to us. He will never be silent. Not only that, the promises have been fulfilled. Salvation today is available. Hope has been revealed because Jesus is Lord. A counselor has been given. Not only will God not, not never speak, but he will always speak, but we will never be alone because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us. And we've got a great imperative. A command has been issued. We are on mission in 2021 as the people of God. So our 2021 goal here is soul care. Let us rock these four steps this next season. Let us consider what is being preached every Sunday. Let us come and bring the family to Jesus. Let us come and see what the Lord is doing. Church, let us testify to the hope that we have. Let us be ready in season and out of season to, to testify to the hope that we have. The hope that we know. And not only just know the hope, let's actually make that hope tangible to others. 
and let us focus on soul care for soul care, for proper soul care will lead to authentic worship. So I end with this. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of a great joy that is for all the people. Today in heaven, there is a savior interceding for you. He is the Christ. He is the Lord. Salvation is available. I would tell you today, from one brother to another, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust him with your life. Put your confidence in him. He is the only help that you can always rely on this next year. If you are saved and you are listening, don't waste your life. Let's not have any pit stops this year. Let's keep our eyes focused and let's make soul care our top priority this year. Church, let's go see Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you and we pray that you would use this message to, to draw people onto you. God, we know that you are about to do and you continue, you continue to do and I believe that you're about to, to bring people onto yourself. God, that you are gonna, you're gonna save people and you're gonna help people who love you get back on track. God, we believe in the power of your word. We know that it does not return to you void. So God, we are trusting in you to do what you need to do. We want you to be God. We love you. We are not God. We submit to you. This church submits to you. This leadership submits to you. And we look forward to what you will do by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the preaching of your word, and by the obedience of the saints. God, we pray that you would help us this year as we trust in you in all areas of our life. We love you so very much and we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, the Messiah, the Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.